This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, Episode 304, The Deferred Sales Trust 2.0, with Brett Swartz. Traditional financial planning is no longer working. And in the new normal economy, your host, certified financial planner Mark Willis, invites you to join us as we engage the new and improved steps for establishing financial sanity. Be curious, be stable, be sane. This is Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think different about your money, your economy, and your future. Wait a minute, you didn't know we had a YouTube channel? That's right, we put content that we don't put anywhere else on YouTube, and you need to see it to believe it. So be sure to follow, like, and subscribe our channel so you won't miss a thing. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's episode. In this episode, we're going to dive into the world of tax strategies, specifically deferring tax strategies and how that can help you impact your wealth building journey. Now, right off the top, you who are keen revolutionary listeners might understand that deferring taxes is not always a good idea, except when we're using strategies like we'll be talking about today. We'll start by discussing how the government may not allow certain tax strategies to last forever, so it's important to have a diversified approach. Enter the Deferred Sales Trust, or DST, 1.0, which allowed for deferring taxes and diversifying your investments. This strategy has been used for generations. It can be used both for passive and active investing and can even be passed down to children. But we'll learn in today's episode how the DST 2.0 takes things a step further by eliminating estate tax and allowing for tax-free inheritance for your children. Do I have your attention yet? But how does this DST work? Well, I'll let Brett get into all the details, but for now, the key to building wealth within the DST is having a tax flow mindset and a cash flow mindset and building a team to execute the strategy you're looking to have set up. So it's important to note that taxes in the U.S. are likely going to go up in the future. So diversifying your assets, your tax strategies are going to be crucial. Now, our guest on the podcast today, Brett Swartz, is one of those people who might be an expert for you. He helps people unlock freedoms in exiting highly appreciated assets, selling real estate and businesses, and building wealth in a way that serves them. So Brett Swartz is considered one of the most well-rounded capital gains tax deferral experts and informative speakers in the United States. He is the founder of Capital Gains Tax Solutions and is an exclusive deferred sales trustee. He's the host of the Capital Gains Tax Solutions podcast and an EXP commercial multifamily broker in St. Augustine, Florida and Sacramento, California. His millionaire clients are challenged to create and develop a tax-deferred transformational exit wealth plan using the Deferred Sales Trust so they can create and preserve more of their wealth. Each year, he equips hundreds of millionaires to break out of capital gains tax jail. He also helps commercial real estate syndicators and other business professionals with the DST tool to help with their high net worth clients break out as well. His experience includes numerous deferred sales trusts, Delaware statutory trusts, 1031 exchanges, and over $500 million in closed commercial real estate brokerage and deferred sales trust transactions. He's an active commercial real estate broker, an investor with brokerage experience and ownership in multifamily, senior housing, 
retail, medical office, and even mixed-use properties. So he's a licensed California real estate broker and has a Series 22 and 63 licenses. Mr. Swartz is passionate about educating high-net-worth individuals and capital gains tax deferral with a deferred sales trust, how to save a 1031 exchange to divest from a business, cryptocurrency, highly appreciated stock, primary residence, or other investment real estates, and gain financial freedom from feeling hostage to capital gains or a 1031 exchange. So with that great introduction, thank you, Brad, again for coming on the show and telling us more about this new evolution in the Deferred Sales Trust 2.0. Brett, welcome back to the show. Mark, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Okay, so way back in episode 181, this is in early of 2021, you were a guest on our show for the first time. So for those that didn't get to hear it, please go back and listen to Brett just dropping value bombs all over the place. Episode 181, Real Estate Tax Problems with Brett Swartz. Brett, tell us about who you are and the kind of work you do for clients. Yes, so uh, who I am. So my wife and I, we live with five children and uh, we homeschool our kids. We're very intentional with the education of our children. Uh, we're Christians. Uh, we live in uh, tax California about 49% of the time and then St. Augustine, Florida, about 51% of the time. Uh, and we're very passionate about, uh, you know, helping people unlock freedoms, right? And uh, freedoms when it comes to exiting highly appreciated assets, selling real estate and businesses, and really building wealth in a way that serves them and helping to really have what we call like real wealth, real wealth in all areas of their life, not just their finances. Awesome, man. Now, most people may not know what a 1031 exchange is. So for just our listeners, what is a 1031 exchange and why is it considered, you know, kind of the sacred cow in real estate. Yeah, it's a great way to build wealth. And I love 1031 exchanges if and when the season of life is right for you and the deal actually makes sense. And it's, it's not going to be such a hindrance to your time and your energy. So you can own investment real estate and you can sell it and trade it into other like kind investment real estate. You do it within a period of time, typically 100, 180 days. You must do it. It's identified within 45. It allows you to defer the capital gains tax and the depreciation recapture. So it's a great way to build financial wealth right? As long as the deals make sense, but it doesn't always build the other real wealth, which could be the time and the energy and the stress that's involved with, especially tax California. I mean, business 30 years ago in tax California, 20 years ago, 15 years ago is very different than business today. Now, tax California, that's, that's uh, otherwise known as California, but uh, I think you've helped rename the state. Okay, go on. I'm sorry to interrupt you there. Just <laughs> yeah, so it's just folks not as know. easy to do, to yeah. do real estate or to own businesses or to be a landlord, anything really. They, they, it's like they're almost, that's another layer of just bureaucracy and challenge. It's in New York, New Jersey, Chicago. I mean, these yep. type of things are not just California, but that that's one of the biggest challenges. Like business used to be so and more inviting to do. My dad, he talked about building a business in California 30 years ago. He goes, Brett, the, the inspectors would show up. They'd want you to pass the inspection. They're excited about the deal. They're glad you're building the houses and you know the properties and providing housing. It's like they're on your side. He goes, now it's the opposite. It's like they're against you. And it's just, a, he goes, I don't know if I'd ever do business if I had to start over again and uh, in tax California because of those challenges. And that moves into the landlord. You know, it's the landlord tenant rights. Um, it's, it's just swung to the tenant and it becomes very difficult to get out tenants that aren't paying on time and it can be challenges, but more so it's just insurance costs like doubling, right? Um, right. Because of the fires, which that's part of natural disasters. Um, but just the time and energy to get things done, the cost of of maintenance and different things, it's, it's just a lot. 
Well, okay. So you were saying a 1031 exchange, essentially, if I buy a real estate property, first time I do it, I'm going to have to plunk down some skin in the game, some cashola for a down payment on this property. Then let's fast forward five, 10 years. I've appreciated this property and value through repairs and upgrades, also just neighborhood appreciation. And I've got, let's just pick a number, a hundred grand of appreciated value uh, in this one rental property. And now I want to sell this property for some reason. I can either take the gains, okay, and pay a capital gains tax on that, or I can do a 1031 exchange, transferring, delaying the tax. It's not eliminating, it's deferring or delaying the tax into now another property. So what's the problem with that? Why, why is this a, um, a problem uh, in your mind? Well, I think it can become a problem if and when it's not serving your true freedoms that you're looking for, right? It could mm -hmm. be time freedom, location freedom. It could be diversification freedom. Uh, it could be estate tax freedom. Um, it could be, um, you know, partnership freedom, right? Um, it could be control freedom, right? Where you essentially don't want to have to... Um, own something that is that is it is consuming these types of freedoms for you. Um, now that being said, if there's a thing called a stepped up basis, so if you can if you can hold on to the, let the train just go all the way to the end of the train track of your life, the actual tax liability is a stepped up basis for cap gains tax and appreciation recapture, which is definitely a benefit. Um, that we don't know if that's going to be around forever. We don't know if the government's going to allow that forever. Right now they do, and it's great. Um, so yeah, pros and cons to every strategy. But those are some of the reasons why you probably, you know, maybe don't want to do a 1030. By the way, a 1030 only works for investment property. It doesn't work for businesses. It doesn't work for crypto, stock, public or private stock. Um, it only works for investment real estate. So you want to make sure you're actually having a strategy that even works for what you're trying to do. Yeah, there could be a lot going on there. And you're right. The laws that we have today are not the same as the laws that will happen on the day you die. So a stepped up basis may or may not be your, it should not be your only plan. Because all it takes is the stroke of a pen of some some wacko in Congress and all of your best laid plans of mice and men can still go wrong. Okay, so how does a deferred sales trust help us mitigate this problem of what could be a mounting big... I mean, this sounds like a lot, a lot like a 401k, right? You defer your taxes through 1031 exchanges, just pump, pump, pump that money into all this real estate, hoping that, uh, you know, you can never expect to see a taxable event on all that highly appreciated real estate. And you're right, there's not even an equivalent for things like crypto or other asset, highly appreciated assets. So what can we do to avoid this potential liability or this tax liability through some of the strategies you offer? Yeah, absolutely. So the first one is a deferred sales trust 1.0 and a 2.0, okay? And we'll, we'll talk about the 1.0 to start. Um, which which is a way to defer and further delay uh, the tax. So it's 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 in a good way to put it as a delay tax trust would be a good way to think about it. Or deferred sales trust is is the actual word, but it is kind of like a four hundred one k or an IRA, and that you can park in um, capital gains tax as well as um, as long as your 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 basis is above your debt, you can defer your depreciation recapture most 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 all depreciation recapture. And essentially, you can delay it again. But the cool part is now it provides the freedom to the flexibility to invest into insurance, to stocks, bonds, and mutual funds, to real estate, passive or active. In other words, you can diversify. Like if all of your capital is tied up into a primary home or one business or one investment property, 
and you want to diversify into different asset types, right? And you want a dollar cost average. You want to buy some fixed fixed annuities. You want to buy some, you know, put it in the T-bills. You want to put it into just something that's just not one one product, one location, right? We had Chuck, we sold a $2.6 million apartment complex in Arizona. This is his entire life savings, his entire retirement. And for him, he's going, I just want to diversify. Put me in the S&P 500, some of the biggest companies in the world. And if those all fail, then I lose, but I don't want to pay about a million of tax. He had, no, he had about no, 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 no basis left. So it provides that diversification. So that's 1.0. Now your kids can step into your shoes, can keep it going, okay? So it doesn't get a stepped up basis, but they can at least keep it going. But at least they can be, they can be passive, right? So that's a nice thing. Now you can also be active. You can partner with the trust. And if you wanted to be an entrepreneur and you wanted to partner with the trust to go buy more real estate or buy a business, you can also do that. Uh, so that's number one. Number two. Now, before we get to number two, yeah. if you don't mind me stepping in here. So what you just said is you could take your 30 real estate properties with all this highly appreciated equity. You could take your highly appreciated crypto, if that still exists out there anywhere, uh, or highly appreciated stock or whatever. Um, and we dump this into a deferred sales trust. And there's a process for that, which we can talk about. Like, how do you not get taxed when you dump it in there? I think you and I have talked about that. Again, guys, go back and listen to episode 181 for more detail here. But now that it's in there, now you can diversify. You can buy whole life insurance. You can buy fixed annuities. You can buy stocks. You can buy you know, new assets that further diversify your, the portfolio. All of this is in a deferred sales trust, which essentially gives you the delaying of the tax man coming right to your doorstep. Yep. Now, what happens next? Someday we want to eat groceries. I assume we want to live on some of this money. What happens when we're ready to take yeah, it out? So as you start receiving payments from the trust, and to the extent it's interest, it'd be taxable to ordinary income. You get a 1099 for that. Now they could either take that full payment or they can delay it, okay? And they can delay the payment. When they delay the payment, they're not having to pay tax on what they haven't received. So think of it like an IRA, right? Pay anything on the income tax or the capital gains tax as it grows. So it's, it's the tax efficiency of it. Yeah, love it, man. Now, I think I'm ready for... DST 2.0. Yes. Yeah, because part of what you're referring to, and it's, you know, it is one of the arguments, hey, I'm only deferring, right? I'm only deferring. I'm not eliminating, right? I'm just kicking the can. I'm just kicking the can. But well, we have a DST 2.0 that's a little bit of a hybrid, but first of all, and it eliminates a state tax. I have a client that was, you know, we worked with, they're worth about 25 million in tax California, and they had about a $5 million asset in Colorado. All 25 million is tied into real estate. All 25 million is inside of their taxable estate. As of 2026, the estate tax exemptions are dropping to about 12 million married and about 6 million single, okay? So they're looking at this and they're about 60 and they're going, okay, our growth of this 25 million is probably at least 50 million by the time we're out, maybe even maybe 75 million by the time we die. We want that inside or outside a taxable estate. So we, we worked with them and we set up a DST plus or DST 2.0 and upon the sale, we move, removed all five million of that first sale outside of their taxable estate. So now we've eliminated the estate tax on that five million plus any growth from the time until they die. So if that five goes to good. 20 million, it's gone. Now, the interest payments that are paying to them over a lifetime are part cap gains tax and part interest payment. So it's mm -hmm. a little bit of a hybrid. Yeah. They're cool. paying some cap gains while they're alive. And some interest, so it's a mix of ordinary income, but their kids can inherit it estate tax-free and capital gains tax-free. Cool. Cool. That's great. And, and you know, there's really high limits on estate taxes today. Uh, and as you say, we dropped down to a, a whopping 12 million 
Now, for folks that don't have that problem, do you think you're out of the woods? Is it possible that we could go back to an estate tax similar to what we had in the 90s? The marginal tax rate on transfers between 600000 and a million was 37% uh, in 1993. Mm-hmm. So well, that's like a house, guys. You know, you got a house. If we go back down to the 1993 levels of the estate tax, every one of us has an estate tax problem. And Brett, you're here with a solution, right? Exactly. And what's neat about the, the DST 2.0 is there's no, there's no charity required. Although if you want to give it a charity, great, but there's no, it's not we're going to force it. There's no actually no life insurance in the sense, life insurance is a great way to do it. But typically, my understanding, maybe you correct me, Mark, is we're basically buying the death benefit in order to pay for the estate tax, right? We're not just eliminated at the root, right? But, but right. by the way, you can still do the DST plus and then still structure ways to get extra, uh, you know, whole life, uh, life mm-hmm. insurance with the death benefit. That could just be extra amount of wage to build wealth that's tax-free, right? Which is amazing to think about. It's kind of like triple arbitrage, right? You defer the capital gains tax, you eliminate the estate tax, and then you use it as well to 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 fund like a life insurance policy. So it becomes a wealth building machine. And that's the that's the key here. Like most people, they look at the DST from the outset, they only go to like the the surface. It's like the tip of the iceberg. Well, below is what's everything is going on. And that's where all of the wealth is created as you have a tax flow mindset and a cash flow mindset, mm. and you build the team to help you execute on what you're trying to do. Love it, man. It's, it's a, I think, a, a genius model. And you're right. As they take money out of their DST plus or whatever, their DST 2.0, that's money that's coming back to them. They got to spend it. That money has to live somewhere. Let's say that they take out 500 grand a year. I don't know. Let's just pull a, pull a number there. 500 grand a year. That is up to an, a certain limit on the capital gains taxes, which right now, what is that, 15% up to that limit? Uh, something in that oh, ballpark? Good question. So let me, let me break that down too, because this gets confusing for some people as well. So if your income is, let's say, 75000 or below, then yes, you could hit the federal lower amount, but that's your, that's your overall universal income. And if it's below that, then yes, as you take payments, as you take principal, you could fall, fall below that and therefore it could be a lower amount. However, if it's above that, and depending on how, where it's at on the brackets, it goes higher. But but just for simple math, generally speaking, if you're selling in our minimums, a million dollar net proceeds, a million dollar gain. So it's got to be large enough to qualify to even use the DST. If you were to take that in the given year, you're paying 20% federal. Tax of is about 13.3. Obamacare is about 3.8. So it's like mm, 37 yeah. minimum, right? And that it could be up to like 50% with depreciation recaptured is a lot of stuff. Now, Biden's proposing to take it from 20 federal to about 40, which would be like another 20% on top of that. Now that's, you know. Turning it into basically the income tax system, essentially. So we've enjoyed a capital gains tax system in this country for a long time. So again, we don't know where taxes will take us in the future. But as you look into the future and you look into your crystal ball, Brent, uh, what do you think taxes in this country are going to do? Are they going to go down or are they going to go up? They're likely to go up from what we can sell. Right, which always goes to this question. Well, should I just pay the tax now? Right, which I think is is a, is a, it's a formidable uh, discussion to have. Our biggest thing is we always say, what do you need or want per you know per year, and how long does it take to double money? Seven percent compounding over ten years will double it, right? And 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 would you like to have a third or forty percent? How long would it take you to make that third or forty percent over that period of time? And could we have doubled it already? So lots of different things, as well as buying new assets and partnering mm-hmm. with those who are actually running all of the assets and can get some depreciation on this side, or as you're actually pulling out capital, uh, it could also wash away. So yeah, it's not an easy answer. 
but there's certainly um, certainly the discussion to have to see like, oh, yeah. what's the best way to do it. Well, and, and as we look at things coming down the pipe, you know, we have control over certain things. We don't have control over other things. So we diversify, right? We diversify everything, including our assets, including our tax strategy. Take some money, put it into life insurance now, where it's never going to get taxed again. Then put the rest into a deferred sales trust, as, as Brett talks about. And then as it comes back to you in the later years, right, the DST holds the money. And then basically, as I understand it, you dump in a large chunk of appreciated assets into this DST. And then the DST spits out money to you slowly over the next whatever 20 years, let's say. And then that spreads that tax burden out, lowering your tax bracket, giving you a lifetime of minimal obligation to our friends at the Fed and our state. And now what do we do with that money? That money is going to sit where? It's going to sit somewhere. So put it back into life insurance, okay? Once it goes back into life insurance again, it's again tax-free. So let me just paint the picture of like the ideal life, right? My, my ideal financial life with you, Brett. Tell me if this makes sense. We can have a, a discussion about it. Phase one of life. I'm young. I'm buying appreciating assets. I borrow against my life insurance, the bank on yourself way, to go buy a bunch of real estate. Wow, I'm feeling great. My policy is growing uninterrupted, compound growth within the policy with no taxes due under current law. And all of my real estate is 1031 as I, as I appreciate this portfolio. Okay, so that's phase one of life. Now, phase two, I've built up several million dollars, tens of millions maybe of real estate that's just looking beautiful. And uh, I've also got a bunch of tax-free you know, access to my cash value and my policy. All right, so step two is I reach out to Brent and I start a DST or DST plus or whatever. That uh, sounds like a cool streaming service. I want to subscribe. So I put all of my real estate and other assets that would have been taxed into this deferred sales trust. Step three, the deferred sales trust spends out that money to me and my family. I pay a minimal amount of tax on it. So I never have to worry about estate taxes and you know higher increasing tax rates. I don't have to pay a lump sum tax bill when I sell all my real estate. I've diversified my my asset classes, so I'm no longer just in a bunch of, you know, apartment buildings. Let's say, step four, I put that money that I don't need to consume or give to the grandkids right away into life insurance, or even better, I start policies on the grandkids, and now everybody has a policy in the family, including myself, my wife, kids, grandkids. All of that money is again washed of the tax system, and it's in a private contract with a private insurance company. And again, we're we're working on income tax free money. We spend that money out of our policies, income tax-free, and we die with just a few bucks in the death benefit, so there's no estate tax. Yeah, Mark, that was that was masterful. And it's uh, that was a great way to, to paint the picture, right? Because you're using the government's money, which, by the way, they're excited because you didn't hold on to that $20 million apartment complex that you bought for you know, $10 million, which had this property tax at $10 million, right? It gets a new property tax for them, so they're happy. Also, you know, we pay taxes on on our on that. The, the twenty million gets unlocked and pushed into the economy with stocks, bonds, mutual funds, insurance products, all that. So they're winning, right? People always want like, well, who's how? How you know the government wins when money is moving and it's in business and commerce, right? And it's creating mm-hmm. jobs, creating tax revenue, and so essentially, what you're doing is you're mixing between appreciation, you're mixing between cash flow and tax flow and insurance with death benefit. And these are all, I mean, this is what, you know, the, the wealthiest family offices do. They have experts in each area and they build this dream team to help them create a wealth plan that is holistic. It's not just 
one single thing, one size fits all. And that's where I think we get in trouble is when we think that the 1031 exchange is the one size that fits all, or the life insurance is the one size fits all, or the DST is the one size. It's a mixture of these things. And Mm -hmm. especially if you get each of them working together. And so part of what I love about Marquis are our strategic alliance for for all things life insurance, especially doing that bank on yourself. And so the key is to have those experts hire the who, don't be the how, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, understand and get educated like you're doing right now, and then let us come alongside to help guide you in those areas. And essentially, it's like we're all in this together. We've all got a, a uh, the, we're Roman, we're the Roman Legion, right? And we have right the shield with a little spear. You ever see the the three hundred show or the movie? Mm-hmm. And yep. they battle the big battle there. And each of them line up next to each other. Now, one of us by ourselves are hit on the side, but if we can line up, we become a force. That's right. Yeah, get get that uh, that blockade where we really cannot be penetrated. You as the client win because you can't be pierced by you know any angle that the enemy might come at you with. So, yeah, you didn't grow up talking about deferred sales trust, Brett. Uh, so, how did you overcome the mindset where you started to where you are now today? It's a great question. So it was during the 2008 crash where I think a lot of people rethought their strategies about building wealth and helping their clients build wealth. And so I was an agent at Marcus and Millichap helping people buy and sell multifamily properties, doing 1031 exchanges. And we were taught that's like, that's the way to do it, right? Just 1031, swap into your drop. And and then all of a sudden we saw the drop, but the drop was losing half or all their wealth between 2008 and 2011. A lot of my clients in, in commercial real estate um, who were over leveraged, didn't have enough liquidity or diversification and got caught in a really tough market. Now that became an opportunity to learn about the deferred sales trust. So I actually learned about it at Marcus Millichap. And then I just started to, uh, to, to just study and practice like anything else, right? Study and practice what it could be, understand the nuances and the rules, and then slowly pick up momentum over the years. Now it's been 10,000 hours later with the tax attorney who created it. You know, right? We have a book that's coming out. We have the YouTube and the podcast. And we interviewed professionals like yourself to learn more every single day. But it was that transformation for my clients to know they could sell high and buy low, that they didn't have to stay over-concentrated, that they could diversify into things like insurance. And um, really, it's what they wanted. It's what we all wanted. We wanted Netflix, and we didn't know there was Netflix. And we were stuck in Blockbuster 1031. Now that there's Netflix, wow, it's really a cool place to, uh, to build wealth. Beautiful, man. Love it. So you're right. I think the key piece here is when you have a 1031 exchange mindset, you're hoping that these properties only go up in value. And then you hope to, what'd you say, swap until you drop. That makes that makes such perfect sense in the perfect mind of someone who only sees real estate prices appreciating or stocks appreciating. But the reality is, when are we most likely going to need access to cash? Generally during a crisis. When are real estate prices least likely to be at their height and maybe at their lowest during a crisis, right? When are banks least likely going to give us the cash we need during a crisis? So the drop might be the price of that real estate you thought would only go up and you're trapped at that point, aren't you? So you well, give people if you have too much option. debt and not enough liquidity, not enough diversification, right? You don't have right. all of the other things in place, right? In reserves mm-hmm. and diversification and liquid assets and other cash. The average millionaire has seven different income streams, right? Mm-hmm. And so this is all a part of the different, the plans, but realize that there's more than just that way to build wealth. And that's the key. Keep an open mind and study it, practice it, underwrite it, right? Look at it. And remember too, mm-hmm. 1031 only works for investment real estate. It doesn't work for crypto, stock, businesses. Right. Yep. Doesn't work right. for separating partnerships. The 1031, all of the entity must move, which generally means all the partners must move. 
which we work with families that are like, feel like it's, they're trapped. And, diff- you know, we had a deal, we did a $13 million deal in San Diego. It was four partners. One wanted to get out and pay his tax. He was just ready to get out. Mm-hmm. The other three wanted to defer the tax, but they're like, well, if we sell, it's $13 million and $4 million basis. Tax of Fournier is 40%. They're like, ah, but and, and we have to do the 1031. Everyone has to go together. They also don't want to buy $13 million property. So all of these reasons created the deferred sales trust being the perfect solution because each of them can have their own DST. One of them can just pay the tax. And they can be separate entities that diversify in dollar cost average and have their own risk tolerance, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, oh my gosh, it actually solved the problem and it separated the partnership, provided that Netflix flexibility versus that blockbuster you know, rigid model. So those right. are the key. Well, as we wrap up here, there's an $84 trillion wealth transfer happening all around us right now. One, how can the Deferred Sales Trust change the future of freedom in America? And two, tell us more about your book. Absolutely. And so this is what we're most passionate about. Besides just geeking out about tax and helping people build wealth and get freedoms, we're actually passionate about you know solving some of the major crises in America. And those have to do with like the housing crisis, the debt crisis, or at least doing our best to be a part of that. And also what we think is the, the wealth freedom exit crisis. Okay. Uh, and part of that is this 84 trillion, which is known as the largest wealth transfer in the history of the planet that's happening from the baby boomers to the millennials by 2045. And this $84 trillion, about 50% of it is tied to high-end primary homes, private equity, which is businesses, and then commercial real estate. These are all illiquid assets that are not diversified typically, right? And now is an opportunity to transfer that in a way that's either going to be tax-deferred, estate tax eliminated, um, or they're they're not going to sell, right, which may get the freedoms they want. But the key is once they do, it's actually going to be infused into the economy and, and it can be create more jobs, which ultimately we believe is going to help with the debt crisis. So our goal is to try to help with that transition. So the book is called Building a Capital Gains Tax Exit Plan. And we call it the proven playbook for unlocking your ideal wealth plan for yourself or for your clients. And my show is Capital Gains Tax Solutions. Brett, you and I both have short first names and long names for our podcast. So that's CapitalGainsTaxSolutions.com. You're listening to this on Not Your Average Financial Podcast. Thanks again, Brett. Thanks, Mark. Thank you again, Brett, for coming on the show today. Now, many of our savvy real estate listeners might know the phrase 1031 exchange, which allows for deferring taxes on a real estate transaction. When you have gains in your real estate, you can delay taking those gains through a 1031 exchange. However, it really only works when folks never plan to sell and always plan to buy higher and higher and higher priced real estate. So that might not be your strategy. Do you always want to pay more? I didn't think so. Additionally, relying solely on the stepped-up basis plan may not be the best approach as tax laws can change. We talked about that in the episode today. I really want to drive that home, that if you're relying solely on waiting and hoping that you die with all this highly appreciated real estate to leave it to your kids with a stepped-up basis, that may not be the best approach. Congress is looking for ways to increase their tax revenue. During the 2008 crash, people rethought their strategies for building wealth. The 1031 exchange was taught as the one way to do it, but many lost half of their wealth between 2008 and 2011. In the midst of that great recession, the Deferred Sales Trust became an opportunity to learn about during that time period, and now again, I believe, today as well. There is $84 trillion being transferred happening right now before our eyes, from the baby boomers to the millennials, 
between now and 2045. And that presents an immense opportunity to transfer illiquid assets over to your kids or grandkids in a way that can be tax deferred or even estate tax eliminated. And the goal is to help people understand what's possible and then even exit these assets in a way that makes sense for you, not for some financial planner or even some real estate professional. So these creative strategies like Brett brought to you today and like he and I were scheming and dreaming about today could be immensely valuable to you as you consider a lifetime of capital gains, which is what we want, and taxes, which we try to only pay what's legally allowed. So with all that, thank you, Brent, and thank you, everyone, for this creative and not-so-average approach to real estate strategies and highly appreciated assets. Thank you for joining me for this week's episode of Not Your Average Financial Podcast, helping you think and live differently with your money, your economy, and your future. This has been another episode of the Not Your Average Financial Podcast. To join a financial revolution and start thinking different about money, go to www.nyafinancialpodcast.com and click Request a Meeting. The topics presented in this podcast are for general information only and not for the purposes of providing legal, accounting, or investment advice. On such matters, please consult a professional who knows your specific situation.